0: Hi, I'm Esau Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hunt. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast, on the Ringer Podcast Network.
1: If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast, on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in president-select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG.
2: This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little
0: Welcome into Off the Pike, I'm Brian Barrett. So for the second consecutive day, we get big news with the Patriots. Yesterday, it was the end of the era with Bill Pelichek moving on. And now, Gerard Mayo is the head coach of the Patriots. Joining us now from the Ringer, the Ringer NFL show, it is Nora Princiati, host dual threat with Steven Ruiz. Like us, Nora, yesterday, you had a pod up with Lindsey Jones as well after the Patriots moved on from Bill. And now today, they waste no time whatsoever. And we have Gerard Mayo now as the next head coach of the patriots crazy time here in new england how are you
3: it really is wild uh i i'm doing well i am a little bit on like high alert of just refreshing like pro football talk and being like "Ah." (laughs) what else is gonna happen i know it's not you know no complaints
0: yeah it's it's it really is crazy so there's a lot to unpack with this so we know the patriots we found out we knew they sort of had a succession plan but they actually had a succession plan written into Gerard Mayo's contract so they wouldn't actually have to go through a coaching search. And we've seen this happen a couple of times in NFL history before. I think most recently was Eric DaCosta when he was promoted after Ozzie Newsome to take over there. But we don't see it a whole lot. And last offseason, we know that Mayo called off interviews. The Patriots announced that Mayo's negotiating a contract, which usually you don't hear about an assistant coach. Oh, he's negotiating a contract, right? And then I mean, Robert,
3: usually you don't from any team and you certainly do yeah. not usually from the Patriots being like, yes, <laughs> uh, the details. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. And during that time, Robert Kraft has now the famous quote. It could turn out to be an infamous quote, depending on how the Gerard Mayo era goes. But he said there is no ceiling on Mayo's ability to be a head coach. He'll be a head coach. I'm sure that I hope it's with us. But this is the interesting component to me. You had Vrabel available maybe Harbaugh available, right? And we have all this evidence that pointed to Mayo. But at the same point, we have Mike Vrabel. We heard, we know that the Titans were mad from when he got inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame and he had this huge uh, praise of the Patriots. Like the Titans were mad about this situation. So are you surprised that just 24, less than 24 hours later, we find out Mayo's the coach considering what the market was. And in particular, that Mike Vrabel, three-time Super Bowl champ, was actually on the market who, by the way, embarrassed Bill in 2019 when he was taking time off the clock at the end of that playoff game.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, so I'm I'm not terribly surprised that Gerard Mayo is going to be the New England Patriots head coach in the 2024 season. I mean, a, a month ago, I suppose, if you would asked me or a lot of people to make their prediction of who's on that sideline next year, he would have been the reasonable choice. But if we if we back up like 24 hours, here's what I'm really surprised by. They you got to give Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, I think, and to some extent, Gerard Mayo too, a fair bit of credit for how this went down. And, and that's sort of setting aside Mayo's credentials and, and how he performs uh, in the short term and long term as head coach. But I was geared up for a pretty knockdown drag out fight. Between the Crafts and Belichick and the Crafts being Robert and Jonathan, who maybe don't have the same perspective on things all the time. And if you'd asked me a couple days ago when, you know, we know they met on Monday, nothing happened that was publicly announced there, I would have said to you, you know, if you're a sentimental Patriots fan, like maybe – Maybe log off for a couple days because this might get messy. This might turn into <laughs> if you want to trade me, if you want something in return, I'm gonna go kicking and screaming and I'm not gonna help you and screw you, and I'm the greatest coach of all time. And then from the craft side, then it gets into, well, look at the results lately and blah, 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 blah. And I I really was surprised, but have a lot of admiration for the fact that they got up there on Wednesday and you know, Bill put on a shirt and tie and and they were laughing and everyone was emotional and it became about the last 24 years instead of the last four, which Bill deserves that. The organization deserves that. The fans deserve that. I am like, Brian, I am as cold hearted as they come. I think everybody is out for themselves and they're just like trying to one up each other. But I worked there for five years. It in in indisputably helped my career to be covering those teams and i was a little emotional like it's just it's a it's a big moment and i thought the fact that they managed to make it a celebration of what they accomplished rather than a referendum on the more recent failures was already just a really nice thing and a surprise to me that it went that way and that they put the organization broadly speaking first in that way but then it kind of puts the mayo decision in a little bit of context for me, which is that continuity was a real goal here. And I don't think that that was a safe assumption necessarily because some of the problems that have led to the last few years make it fair to ask, like, is the Belichick philosophy as effective as it once was? Does it work with this generation of players? Does it work when... You know, and Kraft talked about how savvy Bill was in the early days about the salary cap and things like the compensatory pick formula and blah, 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 blah. Well, every team in the league has like six guys from Harvard Business School in their front office whose job is just to deal with that stuff. Is there a world in which they genuinely need a a fresh approach? And I think what we got from the Patriots, both in the way that they handled Bill and then also in. This incredibly smooth and orchestrated and predetermined elevation of Mayo is basically no to that. And so they're, they're replacing Bill Belichick, the man, but they're not replacing Bill Belichick, the philosophy. And I, I think that like that, that choice, it's not necessarily that it surprises me, but I could not have told you three days ago that that's the direction that they necessarily wanted to go in.
0: Yeah. So there's a couple of things there. First of all, I agree with you in terms of the press conference and this being a decision that obviously they probably were not happy. Bill was probably not happy a couple of days ago, but they did a good job in terms of Bill was choked up at the press conference. I actually thought to your point about the suit and the tie, the combo, like the combination was nice. I mean, it's a good combination of the shirt and sharp. Yeah, he he looked really good. The only thing bad about it was like sort of that awkward hug slash handshake where Kraft's like, I would kiss you, but um, dealing with a cold, or Bill had a cold. So that was yeah, the only isn't awkward. That, isn't
3: that sort of perfect, though? Like, of course, Robert <laughs> made it weird. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then Robert talked to the media for like 25 minutes and he praised like three questions in a row. Oh, that's a really good question. One of them, which he knew the answer to was, hey, are you going to hire a GM or a coach first, which is a whole different discussion? Because if you now bring in a GM from the outside, does it actually hurt you that Gerard Mayo is already the coach? Like maybe there's. GM candidates out there that are like, yeah, I was interested in the job, but I would have liked to hire my own coach. I think that's part of it as well. So just looking now at this decision where Kraft says yesterday at the press conference that essentially the reason they didn't seek compensation for Bill is that it was personal and he didn't want to make it transactional. And the interesting component to me about this is now if you knew that Mayo was going to be the successor, couldn't you have just waited, worked with Bill for wherever his next destination was going to be? Or... Does that make just life more difficult for Bill? Because maybe a team is looking at it like, hey, are we going with Harbaugh or Belichick? And hey, if Belichick's costing us a draft pick, it makes the decision easier to go with Harbaugh. Like, is that where you think they landed? Because I know Sean Payton went for a first round pick, but it feels like that was more because Sean Payton was retired in that particular scenario. Like, does that make that decision look any worse now that we know they were never after Vrabel, they were never after Harbaugh, it was just going to be Mayo?
3: You know, I don't really think. I don't think so. I don't think it looks very bad, honestly. First of all, coaches just don't get traded. It happens occasionally in a case like Peyton, especially when you have someone who's sort of out of the game and then there's this cooling off period where everyone can sort of make their plans going forward. And then, yeah, a year later. Cool. Let's let's get a little something from the Broncos so that we can trade his rights because we've still got them. It doesn't really happen that much. And it's just messy. I mean, we saw the Titans give their explanation with Rabel that it was just too complicated and they didn't want to get behind the eight ball. I I think if they had gone down that path, it was probably going to be hard to have this relatively clean break and This nice moment, which I genuinely do think is good for the organization writ large. I think it's good for the people in the building. We also don't know what goes on behind the scenes about, okay, how many assistants is Bill going to take with him if he goes somewhere else? How many people are going to stay and be part of Mayo's staff? Obviously, they have a lot of the same connections, but some of those people, some people on a pretty lean coaching staff in New England, some of them are Bill Belichick's blood relatives. And I don't know which way that cuts in terms of if Mayo wants to keep as many people as possible or if he would like a little bit of a chance to have his own imprint, hire his own assistants, hire his own staff. But we shouldn't forget that he doesn't he doesn't have that wide of a coaching network. And I don't know how many people he knows. I mean, the, the number one thing that people say about Gerard Mayo is that he's just an incredible people person. So maybe he has made friends everywhere he goes, and he knows a lot of the guys from the McVeigh tree, the Shanahan tree, all across the league. He can dip into those wells and make those calls. But if you just look at his coaching experience and his football experience, he knows Bill's guys. And so there's just so many angles to making this clean. And if not going down the trade path, was the way to make that happen, which I'm betting it was. I just think it's worth doing. And I think the trade conversation just with with coaches has become a big thing this cycle. And I don't totally know where it came from because it's just not a thing that we see that much.
0: Yeah, well, it was a good question according to Kraft. So I figured I'd bring it up on the pod. So I, I figured <laughs> if Kraft thinks it's a good question, it's it to bring it up on the podcast. But the I mean, long, that was not- pregnant
3: you. pause and then like, you know- that's a great question, and then another long pause.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I do want to get to the coaching staff in a second here because I do think this part of it is sort of fascinating, but just circling back to the whole idea that it was just Mayo, I just look at it from their perspective. Like You think about Rabel. I mean, he had LaFleur in his staff back in the day in Tennessee. I know the offense wasn't great that year, but LaFleur ends up getting a head coaching gig in Green Bay. Arthur Smith didn't work out in Atlanta, but he was a pretty good play caller. Like They had all the play, they. Called a ton of play action with Ryan Tannehill. They went to an AFC championship game that way. But with Vrabel, the thing that sticks out to me is just the Patriots hired Bill Belichick in 2000. It's 2024, and they already have the guy that they want to coach without talking to anybody else. And I'm just wondering, like, even from Mayo's perspective, I'm sure that he's fired up. He's the next Patriots coach. But I also look at it from the perspective of, like, wouldn't it have also been better if you just landed on Mayo? Like if you talked to Vrabel and thought Mayo was the better guy for the job, or did they think that maybe Mayo could leave? Like I don't even, I don't know what the market would have been for Mayo. I don't think he would have been a head coach or a big time head coaching candidate. He's never even called defensive plays. I'm not saying that's the be all end all, but it's just, I don't know. I just feel like I would have at least wanted to talk to Rabel. And I would have at least, if Harbaugh was available, this is one of the best coaches in the world, right? I mean, he just won a national championship. He was living in the NFC championship when he was the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I just feel like it's great if you land on Mayo, and I hope he's a great coach. He may turn out to be an outstanding coach, but it just feels like their idea, their whole succession plan was to give it to Mayo. And it kind of changes when you have these two guys that could be out there, especially one with connection. So that's to me where... I'm not saying that I hate the hiring. I just disagree with the process.
3: I I think it was predetermined in the sense that they made a decision. They went through the process of the extension last offseason and put the clause in that he was going to succeed Bill. And obviously, when they do that, they were not anticipating that that was going to be this year. And I do think that however this goes... It will be fair once we have enough information about the Mayo era to have a sense of if it was a good hire and how it's going to look back and say, okay, the moment that that choice was made was last year and then the chips fell where they did this year. And once we got to the point where they were making that separation with Bill, all of the factors that were considering like oh my gosh look who's available this cycle this is this crazy year where there are all of these like real icons of the sport suddenly on the market mike vrabel someone who i mean i don't know that he quite fits into that category but someone who is an established and successful program builder who also has a new england connection who's sort of this like cheat code in some ways because he's a little bit old school but a little bit new school He is kind of someone who connects well with players, even though he is a real disciplinarian. they didn't, it's almost as though none of that information was relevant. None of that information factored into how the Patriots behaved over the last few days because they'd already made their choice. And... You know, I think I think some degree of that is unfortunate, because if you're a fan, you'd probably look at any situation and say, I want them to consider every possible option. But I I, I just don't. I think it was a done deal. I think by the time the question was, how are they going to make the separation with Bill happen? And if it was already in the deal, then it probably just wasn't terribly. Relevant, Um so yeah, whether it's a good good choice or not remains to be seen, but I think it's one that didn't happen over the last 48 hours. It's something that happened a year ago, essentially.
0: Yeah, and I want to be clear. Like I hope for the sake of myself personally and Patriots fans, I hope that Gerard Mayo turns out to be a good coach. I just think it's worth asking because it's just weird that they just promoted him because it was their plan and they didn't really factor in the new information. I think part of what intrigues them is obviously Mayo played for them and then he goes into, like, the business world briefly. He worked for, what, Optum Health Services Company, which because one of the things Kraft said at the press conference yesterday about Bill was his economics background with the salary cap and all that. And he was ahead of the curve. He was. And then, of course, other people caught up. And Kraft even actually talked about that, how people across the league caught up. But I do think maybe that is part of, like, the Patriots connection, the business stuff. I wonder if it's all part of it with Gerard Mayo. And then the other thing I'd say in terms of the coaching staff, where I look at it now— so obviously Kraft said it wasn't good enough the past three years, but I just wonder, is there a chance that you now even weaken the staff if eventually the plan was just to give the job to Mayo because, okay, Steve Belichick was the defensive play caller in, since, what, for the past three, four years. In all likelihood, he's gone. So does that mean it's Demarcus Covington who could be the in-house candidate to take over that position? So we don't know who's calling, who's going to be calling defensive plays. So couldn't you just be hurting, like, the strength of your team, that side of the ball? Now, the good thing is you're going to get, of course, Christian Gonzalez back, but isn't this also a risk to make this move now when it's, to your point, like, Brable has a lot of connections across the league. Other guys have a lot of connections, unlike Mayo, to just move on. Like, isn't there a risk that this coaching staff could actually be worse?
3: Well, yeah. But I I, I think, look, he'll be able to... These are good jobs. People want these jobs. And if he's smart about it and he makes the right picks, they will be able to find and interview guys and and get them in. The question that I have is about the philosophy where, you know, Mayo has sort of been, it's been this just like one-to-one. We had Bill and now we just have this smooth transition and they'd already tapped Mayo and he just slides right in. And over the course of 24 hours, they completely redefine the leadership of the New England Patriots. You can't actually do that. You can't just drop one guy into Bill's job because it was such a completely unique role in the entire NFL where the Patriots operate with a pretty lean staff. There's just not that many jobs there relative to other teams in both in scouting and in coaching. And part of that is because they've lost a lot of people because they've, they've had success. But then also it's, it's incredibly hierarchical because Bill made every decision and, and Robert Kraft talked about that at length. He was in charge of every facet of coaching of personnel. The buck always stopped with Bill and you can't, you can't run a team like that. When you don't have Bill Belichick as the person who's doing that, like Gerard Mayo seems like a really smart guy, if he tries to replace the job, like literally the job that Bill was doing, he's gonna fail. Like he's just he's gonna fail. Right? Uh, Ask Matt Patricia how that goes. And (laughs) and like look, I Gerard (laughs) Mayo has a lot more going for him than Matt Patricia in some ways. But like it's it's just a recipe for disaster now. They're probably going to hire a GM, I think. I mean, it was Kraft said that that was one of the first things that they had to decide, but I think they will probably, whether they promote someone internally or go outside, get a clearly articulated final decision maker for the roster. But then Mayo is going to have to redefine the relationship between the coach and that person. And they would probably be wise to to beef out the staff a little bit because they're just going to need more collaboration. They're going to need more like infrastructure because. Bill is a special person and also had a a unique background and it's nobody's failure. That they're not ready for that, but it will be their failure if they try to fill the role. And that's the thing that I'm curious about.
1: Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned the front office stuff. And so Ian Rappaport reported today that the candidates are Dave Ziegler, who just got fired with Josh McDaniels, John Robinson, who traded A.J. Brown away, Adam Peters, who is now off the board. He took the job with the commanders. Trey Brown from the Bengals, who worked from the, with the Patriots from 2010 to 2012 as a scouting assistant and then an area scout. He went to the Eagles. He went to the Birmingham Irons, I believe it is, the St. Louis Battlehawks, and then he returned to the— Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if the St. Louis Battlehawks were good. I can't speak to that. But then he goes to the Bengals as a scout. I know they have a small front office, too, and he was promoted to personnel executive. That one's kind of appealing to me because he's 38. He's been away from the Patriots. And Cincinnati has drafted well recently. I mean, I think, hey, maybe that helps you with the T. Higgins connection. Maybe you can sign him in the offseason. But those are, like, the guys that are— not in the building, but they've been in the building. And then you look at the candidates in the building, Matt Groh, who said, if you want fast guys, you draft Taekwon. Well, the guy had less than 100 receiving yards this season, right? Then also in the building, like Elliot Wolf, that seems to be like the favorite in-house candidate, if you will. But I mean, you also think about like the, the Matt Groh, like said, if you need tough guys, you draft Cole Strange. Well, I mean, Cole Strange hasn't been great for the Patriots and he's like three months younger than... Jason Tatum, who's been to the finals and is one of the best players in the NBA. So I don't know what the upside of that pick is. But my point is, this is, is you think like they actually will have like this big search where it could be somebody outside of the family tree? Or is it one of these guys like that is Patriots adjacent, if you will, that's been here and comes back? Because like those candidates that they mention, that Ann Rappaport mentions, I should say, the only one that really like sticks out to me that would be something different from what the Patriots have had in recent history is Trey Brown, at least, is somebody that has been away for a while and he doesn't have, like, yeah. some damaging thing on his resume. Like, obviously, Peters doesn't either, but he's off the board. But, like, Dave Ziegler, like, they didn't do a good job with the Raiders. John Robinson, him and Mike Vrabel didn't get along after he traded one of the best receivers in the NFL. And to me, like, from we are talking about philosophy, you kind of want the best receivers and the Patriots haven't been good at drafting them. And this guy just gave one away. So the most interesting candidate from that group is Trey Brown to me. Like, how do you feel they go about this process?
3: Well, so and to be clear, this is not necessarily what I would look at it and and be the most excited about. But I think every indication we're getting is that it's going to be from within the tree and now some you can still be on the tree, but be a slightly farther reaching branch like I wouldn't hate yeah, John Robinson screwed up the AJ Brown trade sort of, but I actually think big picture it was very fair to look at that Titans roster in that moment and say it's we got to kickstart rebuilding and that is someone who's who's an experienced general manager who knows the league, knows people around the league. I wouldn't I would not mind that. In general though it does seem like they're looking for someone who's part of the family and It's that's just interesting, because if I look at the last four years, I think one of Belichick's major failures was that he only only went back to his own well, that it was, you know, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, that it was, oh, we don't really have a clear post Josh McDaniels going and coaching somewhere else plan and even look like I liked I liked bringing in Bill O'Brien, but it just it was so clear that Bill was only hiring his guys. And that goes into the personnel side, too. Right. I mean, like, I think Matt Groves probably good at his job. That's a guy I remember sitting in press conferences and hearing Bill rattle off his his high school quarterbacking record. (laughs) Because Bill and his dad were best friends in like the 80s. And... (laughs) Elliott Wolf is is in the same position to some degree. Like this team had a, they have a nepotism problem. They have a only going within the family problem. And I, I think it led to a overall staff that had some diminishment in capability. And it it doesn't, <laughs> I think they might disagree with that <laughs> because it just seems like they're trying to stay within the, within the family. And I don't know that I think that's the best approach, especially just because at a certain point, it does limit who wants to work with you.
0: Right. And I also think that hiring is just so important because this has been like we talk about the offensive issues that I want to get to in a second here. But this is where the Patriots have been missing, like the 2022 draft. I thought I'd never see a draft as bad as 2019. It may actually be worse if you compare what they did in 2022 and then you look at 2023, maybe that's hope, right? Because I loved the Christian Gonzalez pick. We had you on right after the draft. I wanted him or either Jackson Smith and Jigba. And it looks like this is a great pick. And I know he played limited time because of the injury. But I like Keon White. Demario Douglas looks like he's a real player for the future in this Patriots offense. So maybe they were on to something. But it's just like they got to be able to nail these draft picks, especially considering I don't know. You have the third overall pick. It seems like it's pretty important. So it's the fact that it's going to be in the family seems like, hey, maybe that's not just a Belichick problem. Maybe that's a craft problem as well. But then the other thing is like the offense. So you mentioned Bill O'Brien. We mentioned Matt Patricia. Bill O'Brien did the impossible and the numbers across the board were actually worse than the offense with Matt Patricia. Now, a lot of that is personnel, the coaching staff. Doug Hyde and Andrew Callan had this article about how he basically didn't trust the coaching staff outside like of a couple people and. So that's obviously part of the problem. But I was looking through Bill O'Brien's resume, and this is just flat points in total on the season. 2011, he's third. He had the Brady guy that was pretty good. 14, he's 14th. 15, he's 21st. 16, 28th. 27, 17th. 18 with Watson, 11th. 19 with Watson, 14th. 2020 after he trades away Hopkins, 18th. And then this past season, 31st. Then I said, OK, let's look at like the red zone numbers. Touchdown percentage in the red zone fourth with Brady in 11, 14 he's 14th, 15 he's 15th, 16 he's 31st, 2017 he's 20th, 18 he's 28th, 2019 he was 9th and then 2020 20, 25th in this past season they were actually 11th, but the Patriots never got there. They got to the red zone 35 t- or 36 times tied with the Carol t- tied with the Panthers for the least in the NFL. So and we heard all this stuff about, hey, Mac was talking about RPOs and the RPO game. He was so good at Alabama and the play action pass game. Now, maybe some of the issue was that Bill O'Brien was he was upset with the development of the offensive line, some of the skill position players. So maybe it was just personnel. But all the stuff that we thought we'd see from the Patriots, we didn't see. I looked through the resume man, I know some of these years it's the Brian Hoyers playing quarterback for him. But this is like the, the most the other important thing for. Gerard Mayo is fixing the offense, and they have to be able to draft well and do well in free agency, obviously. But And I imagine Bill O'Brien's going to be back. I don't think he comes back for just one season, right? Like, I'm sure he's got a promise from Kraft, and now that Kraft sort of has his football team back, I think they're going to keep Bill O'Brien around. Is Bill O'Brien good at his job? That would be a question that I would have.
3: So, when you when you outline it that way, uh, the stats are are not invigorating, shall we say. Look, Bill O'Brien is a professional offensive coordinator. Uh, Whether that's shooting for the moon or not, maybe it's not. But I think that if he has a decent quarterback, he is trustworthy enough that he will play to that person's strengths and run a diverse array of, of concepts and... He can get you above average. I think he certainly is not one of these guys who has a track record of showing that he can overcome a deficient quarterback. And ultimately, we can talk ourselves blue in the face about coaching and the staff and blah, 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 blah. They have to get that right. And another one of the biggest failures is going to go down as as the selection of Mac Jones. I think they did him absolutely no favors, but I also think that we have enough information at this point to say that was not the right pick. And that is one of those examples of Belichick, but also the entire infrastructure not adequately identifying where the league is going. And the fact that you just need someone with a little bit more mobility and a little bit more ability to create than a Mac Jones, and not like they traded the farm for him, right? Like he was there, they picked him. I I don't think anybody deserves to be drawn and quartered for that because at a certain point you have to to take take chances at quarterback and just try. But they need someone who can influence the running game and the passing game at that position who deserves to be a long-term starter and that is going to be the number one most important task whoever's coaching whoever's running personnel they just have to get that right
0: yeah and there's been a lot of craft had his fingerprints on that pick remember how awkward that was when they're like hey are you good with the pick are you good with the pick are you good with the pick when they showed that video of the patriots when they selected mac jones so that was that was a weird situation but how about this Nora? He's put on seven to eight pounds. A lot of other guys would have just quit. Mac Jones says he's been working out. He put on seven to eight pounds towards the end of the season. I was thinking to myself when he said that. Like I thought that was pathetic that he actually said that at his like end of the media, end of the season media availability. It's like, dude, okay. that's one that's something that somebody else should say about you, not like you should be saying to the media, hey, I put on all this weight. I'm ready to go. But I'm with you. I thought. That year, I wanted them to, and look, maybe this turns out to be not great either, but I wanted them to take fields, or at least trade up to get in the fields category, and obviously Chicago came in front of them. It felt like it was just sort of Bill agreed that, hey, if the quarterback's there, Robert, I'll take him. That's what it felt like to me, and Bill never really loved Mac either. I mean, we're as recently as this offseason, he's talking about he's not sure if Mac's the guy, but I'm with you. I don't think it worked out. It brings me to the number three pick. Like, you mentioned having mobility. That's why I think this Jaden Daniels thing is now fascinating, because I do think, in a sense, the NFL now, it's like this ability to actually run and to be able to have a quarterback run game, it actually like elevates the floor. Like, I think the thing with Mac is like, oh, he he, he can make quick decisions. He's accurate and all this. He can be like a pro style quarterback. And I do think now, like these quarterbacks that have the ability to run, it actually raises your floor. So the number three pick, and we'll see if it's Drake Mays there or Jaden Daniels is there. They have to take a quarterback, right? Like this would be shocking if they don't take a quarterback there because what's the other route like trading for fields and then you get to decide on what you're doing with him contractually down the road. Like I have to imagine that that's their plan here.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I haven't done enough study on the on the quarterbacks to get a sense. And obviously it matters what they feel in the building about someone like Daniels, where if you feel like this is a class with, two bona fide top-end prospects, don't draft the third guy just because you have the pick. Like, that's dangerous, too. But if you feel like he's got a chance, then you got to go for it because you're hoping to not be in this this type of position. But it, it just depends how they feel about the player. Because if you're using that number three pick, I mean, I, I know it's tempting to say, always get the quarterback until you have the quarterback. You don't have anything. And and to some extent, I think that's absolutely true. But if you don't believe that he has a real chance to be that long-term starter, you know, get a receiver, get a, get a blue chipper somewhere else, try to trade the pick, do, do something because it's, you have to believe in the player because it's, it's not only just the likelihood of the evaluation turning out to be right is better, but it's going to influence how, Everybody in the organization treats someone. And I think it's fair to say that that was part of the problem with Mac, right? Like, as you said, no one was forced to make that pick, but it it wasn't one that anybody necessarily felt slam dunk about. And that's probably relevant context when we think about everything that went wrong in his development and, and the souring of that relationship. It, it's probably relevant that it, it didn't start in a place of like, yes, this is exactly who we wanted. So you you want to feel that way, especially when we're not talking about the number 15 pick. We're talking about the number three. All
0: right. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about Belichick now, because I don't think that Bill is not going to be coaching in the NFL in 2024. I guess you can make an argument step away from a year, maybe better jobs open up. But here's the thing: like he seemed very confident yesterday. He's going to, and Robert seemed very confident that it's he's going to be coaching in the NFL in 2024. And I would imagine Bill still Bill wants to prove that he can still coach. I think in some sense and. Maybe he doesn't think about this, but there is the whole like Brady thing. Like it, it continues to get worse without Brady. It wasn't great without Brady outside of the Castle year. He made it to the playoffs one year with the Browns. So I think that is important to him. Like this is now part of his legacy. The The further you get removed from Tom. so I think he's going to get back into what I don't know what organization it's going to be. But when I look at the jobs, you're the first person I heard bring up the Cowboys. So we'll see like what happens with Mike McCarthy here in terms of I don't know what it would take. Would it be losing to the Packers? Could it be a loss in the next round? And then I think about the other jobs. So the Panthers, to me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense because Bryce Young, we found out that was like CJ Stroud is better than Bryce Young. You don't have a first round draft pick. The Chargers is interesting because you do have Herbert there, but we'll see. Maybe they put the full core press to go after Jim Harbaugh. And then there's teams like the Falcons, which... They seem like they're. This is their number one target. It's been reported that Bills their target. The only issue there again is the quarterback, and they have what the eighth overall pick. So it'd be difficult to get one of the top guys. And well, and Bill-
3: also they do they have a general manager like Terry Fontenot is was retained as the Falcons general manager even when they fired Arthur Smith. So there's some not that you can't figure that out, but there's some sort of lack of clarity in terms of what the org chart would look like if Belichick were in. Now they've made it so clear that he is at the top of their list so they probably have some idea of how that would work but that one's not quite as clean as I mean I agree with you there are a lot of issues with Carolina but something like that where you have a you have an opening at GM and an opening at head coach Uh, the Chargers also fit that description which is which which just helps a little bit I don't think it's like the only thing that matters but it's relevant
0: and then the, the one other thing is just these playoff teams outside of Dallas that could lose. Like, what about the Eagles if Nick Sirianni loses? And then, I mean, this guy did promote Matt Patricia this season to the defensive coordinator. That has not worked out well for them. Not that they were playing well before that. But then the other team is, what about Buffalo? Like, Buffalo. John McDermott had a really weird season there. Like, if if they get up—now, I don't think—they're playing the Steelers. I think they'll beat the Steelers pretty convincingly, especially considering— the Watt injury and all that, but maybe they decide, hey, it's been a weird year. Bill Belichick's available. This is like the one chance we can get the best coach in the history of the NFL. Like maybe they go after him, but like, do you think one of those teams is, and I don't want to say likely to move on, but is a possibility? Like if you're Bill, what do you do? Do you like wait? Cause you know, Atlanta wants you, but are you like sitting back to see what happens with all this playoff mayhem?
3: Yeah, I think, I think you give it the weekend at least. I mean, I mean, Look, some of those coaches, I think, if they make it through the wild card round, obviously the Eagles fall. Um, ah, uh, like the Eagles, the the Bills, the Cowboys, if they make it through this first weekend, then it's probably unlikely that someone gets fired if they lose in the divisional. But just give it the weekend, see what happens, because it's not just that that all of those teams seem like they could collapse. But the fact that there are coaches like Belichick, like Harbaugh, even like Vrabel, even, you know, throw, throw Pete Carroll in, into that mix because I know that the Seahawks said that he was like moving upstairs and going to be in this managerial role. It seemed very clear to me that Pete Carroll would still coach if he were given the opportunity. Um, and it's probably unlikely that Seattle, having just kind of booted him out of there, would prevent him from doing that. The fact that these guys are out there is going to make these owners a little bit more trigger happy because it just feels like, you know, the pitch could go by. And so if somebody flames out in the first weekend, yeah, I think it's totally possible now who it's going to be. I don't know, Um, but it it could get really interesting. So, yes, if I were Bill or if I were advising Bill, I would say do absolutely nothing (laughs) until Tuesday morning at, at the earliest.
0: Yeah. And then just on the Cowboys thing. So Jerry Jones, it seems like to me is if like he wanted to move on, like this would really sting Kraft. And I know Bill and Kraft had this mutually part of the ways we talked about at the top of the pod. They were loving each other yesterday at that press conference. But the, these guys are kind of, in a sense, from an owner perspective, rivals, right? Like they've been the two. And I know there's other great owners across the league, but they've been like the two biggest owners. Like I just think that would be fascinating. And, and
3: Jerry getting in the Hall of Fame first is the big deal to Robert.
0: Yeah, well, and I also thought about that. When when Robert mentioned the fact, like, he brought up, like, the salary cap stuff and the free agency, I thought that was almost like a pat to on his own back, too. Like, we want all this in the... Sa- Bill's the greatest coach, and he had to deal with the salary cap era and free agency. I almost it was kind of like, look at what I've done as an owner compared to, like, these other owners that were at building dynasties like the Steelers back in the day, et cetera. So I did think that was a little bit of Robert patting himself on the back as well.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think, I think it's fair for him to do it, right? Like he did empower bill to, to make those decisions and they had a lot of success because of it. But I, I don't, I think you're, I think you're very much onto something in terms of the quasi rivalry with Jerry Jones. And if something did happen there, I mean, it would it would just be really fascinating. Bill, as the head coach of the Cowboys would just be fascinating. And that's another one where, uh, you know, they have they have a personnel department, but because Jerry and Steven Jones are so involved in that, I actually think it would be a little bit smoother, where like I think Bill could accept having to answer to ownership even a little bit more than than he has in New England. Probably a lot more easily than like, no, you're going to be the head coach. And then there's going to be a general manager and they're going to pick all your players. Like that seems out of the question in a way that, well, you don't have final say, but you can be the leader of the department does. So it. it I think this Cowboys team is good enough. And particularly, you know, I love the Packers offense, but I just don't think that their defense is going to be able to do very much against Dallas, against Dak Prescott. Uh, so uh, the biggest issue for this one for me is that I think the Cowboys are going to win. Yeah. And then it probably doesn't, doesn't open the door in quite the same way. But if they get upset, I, I really think the, the pump is kind of primed for that.
0: Yeah, it would, it would be for me. Like I hope that the Packers win that game just because I think it makes it more interesting to see what happens with Belichick. And it's funny you mentioned that about like Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, uh, my buddy Andrew Callahan mentioned the other day, he was like, you know, he, uh, Belichick always praises the Cowboys every time they play him about how many pro bowlers they have. And it's like he doesn't do that with a lot of other teams and he references the roster. So maybe Bill, like in a weird isn't way, respects. is that kind of
3: negging though? Like, isn't it if you're Bill, isn't that kind of like, oh yeah, a lot of, a lot of oh, pro bowlers.
0: It could be. That's like the
3: antithesis be. of what he cares about.
0: Yeah, it could be. By the way, do you have a favorite moment from your time covering the Patriots, like Belichick-related moment?
3: I'll have to think about this one and get back to you because my favorite moment—I mean, he just like whenever he would. This is such a cliche answer, but like whenever he would really get into get into history and start like going super long about some random special teams thing or like American history, he's just like a very interesting person to be around. I just. One other thing, based on the last thing that we were talking about, the rivalry with the Cowboys is one thing, but all of the teams you mentioned, it's a little bit interesting. There is, there's something that would probably sting for the crafts on the ownership level, just because the bills, obviously, if something happened there and Bill wound up there in the division and then the Eagles, I mean, Jeffrey Lurie is this Massachusetts guy who'd wanted to buy the Patriots Mm. winds up with the Eagles. There's definitely a little bit of like a a friendly competition that might be more one sided on Lurie's part, but they obviously, you know, they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I, I think there's a little like any one of those guys it would sting if Bill wound up working for for that owner in that town. Um, So I will think about my favorite Belichick moment, and I will tell you when I come up with a better one. But he was really interesting to cover. I loved covering him, even though it was really annoying sometimes.
0: Yeah, that the Eagles would be fascinating. You mentioned the special teams thing. I do remember when he went on like a ten minute answer on the history of how special teams evolved. It was like nobody else is getting a question today because Bill's been asked about special teams. All right, Nora. Before we let you go, we saw Brady thanked Bill on Instagram. Edelman had like this great video on Instagram. But can anybody top Chandler Jones's tribute to Bill Belichick?
3: <laughs> no definitively not there's absolutely (laughs) no chance wait also sorry you didn't ask but I'm just going to say this before we go the other thing that's going to be interesting is that that Apple TV series yeah is coming out right after the Super Bowl and it kind of seems like a lot of the players like it it seems as though they got a fair few of ex-players a lot of the Brady guys kind of being like Bill was mean to us and Bill was such a hard ass. So a weird wrinkle in this and not to overblow, like the seriousness of a, of a, uh, docuseries based on a book that's already out is that this right after the Super Bowl is over, this thing that I bet a lot of people are going to watch is going to pop up. And I should say like, I'm interviewed in it and I had fun talking about all of that stuff. It's going to pop up and like, there's probably going to be some unflattering Bill details in there. I mean, there's already the shot of Danny Amendola in the in the trailer being like, we worked for Bill, but we played for Tom. And it, it's just going to be interesting if Bill has just had a, you know, he's having an introductory press conference in Atlanta. And then there's just like four hours on Apple TV plus being like, we hated that guy, which I'm not saying I don't think that's what it is, but it's it's just I'm just looking forward to seeing what's in there.
0: Well, to your point, like the Danny Amendola thing, when he says we worked for Bill and we played for Tom, I'm like, in one sense, I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Like, this is in the trailer. What else can we hope for? But then I'm thinking about, like, could this be a good trailer and, like, not great because, like, you're showing us this clip of Danny Amendola, which certainly got me. Like, right away, I'm like, I'm in. I cannot wait for this documentary because of that. But then there's also the Brady thing. Where Brady says, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says there's some things that couldn't be resolved or some things that couldn't be fixed. I'm sure he's talking about maybe the contractual stuff, the whole Guerrero thing. I hope that's like a featured part of this as well, because that was obviously a major controversy at that part point in time. So I can't wait. I can't wait for it either. I just hope it's not a letdown because the trailer, like all the stuff they're putting out looks awesome.
3: I mean, even think like the fact that Tom Brady sat and just talked on camera. I I think is pretty instructive in terms of the fact that that they got some good footage. I don't I don't want to I don't know. Like, I don't I have I obviously haven't seen it, um, but I have. I think I think they got some stuff. I'll just I'll put it that way.
0: Okay, all right. I'm looking forward to that. And by the way, my favorite part about Chandler's video, the song to Bill, he got the Super Bowls wrong he said seven no. super bowls
3: I, so i didn't listen to it cuz i was just like i can't do this today like i can't, I can't with
0: <laughs> oh you got to watch it it's it's
3: i mean his I voice saw, is I not a horrible. thumbnail and it was just like this is enough
0: like he really went after it for the voice like he really tried to be like a singer in this thing but he says he didn't deflate gate he didn't spy gate and then at one point he says that it was brady that deflated the balls not bill
3: What timeline are we living in?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I hope everything's all right with Chandler. I mean, I don't think everything's okay with Chandler right now. But yeah, that was bizarre. And that is Nora Princiati from The Ringer, The Ringer NFL Show. Nora, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. And look forward to seeing you in that documentary.
3: Of course. Uh, Thanks, Brian.
0: When it comes to the NFL playoffs, you've got to win one game at a time. But when you bet the NFL playoffs on FanDuel, one game can meet a lot of wins. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, has all your favorite bets, like the money line and the spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. So one thing I'm looking at this weekend, I really like the Rams to beat the Lions, especially with Sam Laporta banged up. So how about this? I cooked up a same-game parlay. This is for plus 356. The Rams on the money line. Matthew Stafford, of course, returning to Detroit. I like an alternate passing yards for him of 225 yards. The Lions are 21st in passer rating again, so I like Stafford there. I also like Puka Nakua, alternate receiving yards line of 50, and Kyron Williams, who is just a beast for the Rams, and anytime touchdown. So Rams on the money line, Stafford, 225 passing yards, Puka Nakua, alternate line of 50 receiving yards. Kyron Williams, anytime touchdown. That's for plus 356. I'm excited about that one. And right now, every day there's an NFL playoff game. FanDuel is giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your SJP doesn't win. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Pike if you don't already have an account. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in presidents-like states. Minimum three-leg same-game parlay required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after a seat. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Welcome back into Off the pike. Great stuff there from Nora Princiati. Yeah, that Chandler Jones thing, man, that is, that is something else. We'll bring in producer extraordinaire, Jamie McCollin, Jamie, we did the podcast yesterday, of course. After Bill decides to part where with the Patriots,
1: and Bill part ways, did you expect that we'd be doing the Mayo podcast today? Definitely not. I mean, Kraft had quite a poker face at that news conference. Like he got asked, "Are you going to fill the GM or the coaching job?" He's like, "Well, we'll get there very soon," and I didn't expect very soon to mean 24 hours or less. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Oh, by the
0: way, I, I should ask you since I mentioned it: Have you seen the Chandler Jones video?
1: Oh, yeah. I actually liked it. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. I thought it was kind of sweet. He's like, you made me a man, Bill. You didn't deflate, gate. You didn't spy, gate. <laughs> yeah, I heard what you said, too. Like, you won <laughs> seven Super Bowls. Like, uh, six, Chandler.
0: Yeah, like he could, he could have gotten away with eight because like Bill, of course, right. the defensive coordinator of the Giants. But like, you could go six or eight. You couldn't go seven. <laughs> he even says you made me
1: the man I am.
0: That was sweet. Yeah, got to give it to Chandler, man. Better tribute than Brady, right?
1: (laughs) Definitely better than Gronk's. You guys, you and Nora, were talking about, like, the Belichick versus Brady case. I thought Gronkowski's post was a bit lukewarm. Well, Gronk, Gronk, remember how bad it was at the end.
0: First of all, Gronk's brother came on my old employer, WEI, and he said that Gronk, his brother said that Gronk is paid like a mediocre tight end. And it's like, dude, he... Two years prior, he signed the richest contract in the history yeah. of the position. And two guys like I believe it was Jimmy Graham and somebody else were now making more money. It's like this is just factually incorrect. Like you could argue like, yeah, you should be paying Gronk more money. But to say that he was paid like a mediocre tight end, that was just false at that time. It didn't make any sense. But yeah. And then remember you had the whole Lions thing. I think Gronk even said like that was a good move by Bill. Like I think
1: think that was <laughs> he
0: went on Rosillo's <laughs> podcast a couple of months ago. And I think he even said that was a good
1: move by Bill because I would have never gone there. I mean, it was a good move by Gronk, too. I think we, you know, he ended up making that catch in the Super Bowl the next year. So I'm glad he pulled what he pulled. I love Gronk. I do love Gronk. He's, he was so good, man. He was so, The ending was just weird. I'll say that. The ending of Gronk was weird. I think it all goes into the, it feels like it's kind of all part of the same thing of why Bill had to go at the end. He was just getting way too stubborn and, I don't know, pissing people off. So it feels like it was all a slow moving thing from like 2019 onwards.
0: Yeah, I just think it's weird there wasn't a search. Like, you could tell me, you could convince me of that and say, oh, now they got Mike Rabel. It's like, okay, so now it's, I'm still like, I hope, like, I'm a Patriots fan. I hope Gerard Mayo is an outstanding coach. It seems like he's a great leader. Everybody loves him. Our buddy James White was tweeting about it. Like, congratulations, James White Mm -hmm. thinks he's going to be a great coach. I think most people think he's going to be a great coach. I'm just like, okay, but wouldn't it have been better if you arrived at that conclusion after you talked to, I don't know, Mike Rabel and. Jim Harbaugh like maybe they were worried about Mayo and they felt like hey we've identified this guy we've promised this guy he's our guy like maybe that's part of it as well so I don't know I mean we'll see like I just I was shocked when I woke up today I wasn't shocked yesterday like we knew that Bill it felt like Bill they're gonna move on from Bill I wasn't shocked then I'm like today holy shit they exercised the clause in the contract here we go Mayo is the guy
1: unreal yeah, I think I think for me, the one thing I realized yesterday is, you know, you could say what you will about Kraft. He, maybe he talks too much, et cetera. But he seems to be a man of his word. So if he told Mayo you're going to be the next coach, I guess he stuck with it. So I respect that. Um, I, you know, I, I have less of a problem with them filling the head coach job internally than I do about the, the GM duties internally. Like, I do not want to see anyone that was in the draft room last year making the decisions next year.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel like it's so important to get that right because that's been their biggest issue has been the personnel stuff. Like Callahan and Doug, as we mentioned, had the great article about the dysfunction within the organization in terms of the coaching staff. They get to clean that up. Like everybody's going to be on the same page. But the drafting, the free agency, like you have the third pick and you have a ton of salary cap Mm -hmm. space. So they got to get the personnel situation right and hire the right guy. All right, Jamie, before we go, I did want to give out one Pick this weekend. So thanks right. to our friends at Fanduel, we give our picks. Here's my pick, and we'll see if you like it. This is for plus two fifty three. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs on the money line. It's going to be freezing cold. Yeah. Tua, I know like Tua has good deep ball numbers, but he doesn't have a strong arm, right? There's a difference between being able to throw a deep ball and playing in those type of conditions where you got to zip it into tight windows. I think Tua and the Dolphins are in trouble. Rashe Rice, alternate fifty receiving yards. He's been north of fifty. In his last six games, he's really come on for them. Isaiah Pacheco, anytime touchdown. So Pacheco, anytime TD. Rashe Rice, alternate of 50 receiving yards. Chiefs on the money line. You can get that at FanDuel for plus 253. What do you think? You like that? Is it worth it? Or do you I think the Dolphins can pull off the upset, or you think I'm on board? It's it's going to be so cold. Remember, Bra- Brady wore the
1: scuba suit there when they won in 18. I think it's gonna be like significantly colder, even than that game. I heard negative degrees. Like, it's, I think the low is like negative eight or something. And this, this is the Miami Dolphins. Like, I, I mean, I might, I might be eating crow on Saturday night, but I give them like close to like a zero percent chance of winning this game. I feel like it feels like, and the lines like four and a half. I'm like, this is Ugh. taking candy from a baby. I feel cold thinking about that game. I really oh my do. Gosh.
0: And you're right. Like the team, and I think I saw Tua's record is like. I think he completes like 55% of his passes when it's like below 40 or something. So it's like not even when it's that close. Like, And to his credit, like he hasn't played in a ton of cold weather games, right? Like a couple games at the end of the year against the division. But I, I just don't trust him. And I feel like I, I can't see Mahomes, like I can't see this being like Mahomes going out in the first round at home against the Dolphins. By the way, did you see what Mike McDaniel said? What did he say? In one of his press conferences this week, I can't remember if it's his first one. But he said about Belichick, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll, all like now done coaching. Obviously, Nick Saban's different. He retired. He said, it's a reminder to me that I'm just going to be candid. Father time is a dick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very eloquent. (laughs) It's a direct quote. (laughs)
0: That's a direct quote from Mike McDaniel.
1: Man, that guy is entertaining. He's a character.
0: All right, Jamie. Great stuff, man. Uh, Great week, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All right. As always, make sure to get your voicemails in 617-396-7172. Email your thoughts and questions to offthepike at gmail.com. The plan is to be back on Sunday, but who knows? Something crazy <laughs> with the Patriots may happen on Saturday. So we may be back with you on Saturday. Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Sturdy for producing this podcast. And we'll chat maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday, definitely Sunday at some point.
2: Must be 21 plus in president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas star casino, LLC gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FANDUEL.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona 1-888-789-7777 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia or call one 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.